0: Welcome to the Happy Mouth Podcast, your delicious daily news fix for the hospitality community.
1: We will be offering a craveable menu of headlines, food for thought, and much, much more.
0: These are the bite-sized news stories you need to know, and they'll drop every morning, Monday through Friday. Hello, worlds, and welcome back to the Happy Mouth Podcast your delicious daily news fix for the hospitality community. Today is Tuesday. It's May 25th. I'm restaurateur Philip Camino, and I'm here with my partner in crime once again, Ayesha Arrington. How are you? What
1: up, guys and gals? What up, Philip Camino? Happy Tuesday.
0: What's happening over there?
1: It's living the dream, man. Happy Tuesday.
0: Happy Tuesday. You're crushing it. So many good things going
1: on. For sure. Today, Philip and I will be talking about a unique way to make farming more sustainable.
0: We will be talking about that. Very interesting topic today. A long-term study at UC Davis found that feeding cattle seaweed greatly reduces their greenhouse gas emissions, which is great news for, I mean, the planet and cattle producers and the meat business in general.
1: Totally. The emission of greenhouse gases accelerates global warming drastically. Livestock emissions account for roughly 14% of global greenhouse gases. That's about the same percentage of emissions from vehicles. And what are greenhouse gases? Good question. The main gases that are responsible for greenhouse effect include carbon dioxide, methane, which is what we're going to be focusing on today, and also nitrous oxide, and water vapor, all which occur naturally within our ecosystem.
0: Very interesting. Each year, one cow will belch about 220 pounds of methane into the atmosphere. This is important to know, as methane is 28 times more potent than carbon dioxide in warming up the planet.
1: One way to reduce how much methane cows emit is by making their high-fiber diet easier to digest. In 2018, professor at UC Davis, Ann Cessnan, endowed chair and the Department of Animal Science, Aramaeus Cabrib, conducted a study with his Ph.D. candidate, Brianna Roque.
0: Cabrib and Roque started supplementing a small portion of the cattle with high-fiber alternatives that would reduce gases. Brilliant. They added seaweed into the cow's diet and let them snack in an open air contraption that registered the methane in their breath. So what would essentially be released into the atmosphere? Super interesting study.
1: Their studies show that swapping in seaweed for 1% of their cattle diet could reduce emissions up to 60%. The seaweed inhibits the enzyme in the digestive system that produces methane. Seaweed draws down carbon from our atmosphere. And this process is known as carbon sequestration.
0: So they followed up the study. And this past year, Kibrib and Roque wanted to test if the reduction of methane by consuming seaweed could be sustained over a long period of time. So for five months, they fed cattle a little bit of seaweed every single day to see what would happen.
1: So smart. I'm such a seaweed fan.
0: Oh, it's great. I love those seaweed snacks. At uh, There's a couple of them at Pole Foods that I get quite often. And also, Erwin has some nice ones too, but just a nice, light, snacky midday, a little bit of sodium, but tasty.
1: A taste test panel found no difference in flavor between the beef and milk of seaweed-fed cattle to that of the control group.
0: That's interesting.
1: Very interesting.
0: People were basically taste testing the beef and the milk from the group that ate the seaweed as part of their feed, and then a group that didn't eat the seaweed. And they found no difference at all within the taste of those two things. So that's good news. Definitely. I guess this brings up some challenges. So a few things to be considered here as we talk about this. This was a pretty contained study. The first study it was only 21 cattle that they were able to actually put seaweed into their diet. 1% of the diet became this seaweed additive. One of the challenges would be that they're going to have to farm this specific type of seaweed, this uh, enzyme inhibitor, to feed the cows. Because as of right now, there's just not enough of it in the wild for a broad application, i.e. you couldn't tomorrow give every single cow in the world this seaweed and inhibit this enzyme.
1: Really, the question is, how can farmers add the seaweed into the grazing diet? I mean, naturally, they're out in pasture, they're eating grass, they're eating wheat, they're eating, you know, whatever the farmer on that ranch is feeding, sometimes corn. Um, And how does the seaweed get to the property is the challenge. Professor Kabrib and Roke are focusing on that question for their next study.
0: So in the future, Kabrib and Roke are teaming up with the Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization in Australia and the James Cook University for further studies.
1: They are also collaborating with Livestock Australia, Blue Ocean Barns, to help them in their research. While they have more work to do, they know that seaweed is the answer, and I agree.
0: I think so too. I think it's genius that this hasn't really been thought about, and it hasn't. The methane and what causes the that amount of methane to come out of livestock hasn't been measured in the past. So I think it's amazing, first and foremost, that these researchers at UC Davis have come up with the solution to a problem that we didn't really know there was a solution to, first and foremost. And I guess the second question is, how do you sustainably create enough of the seaweed to get it into all of the cattle around the world's diet on an ongoing basis? Is that that something that would have to be farmed? Um, Is that something that you would have to farm kind of locally close to where the cattle physically exists? Or is it something that could even be perhaps chemically um duplicated in a way where maybe it doesn't it's not actually it's the seaweed but it's just the enzyme inhibitor that's created call it um in a in a lab or in a factory and and that goes into the feed as an additive or just gets fed to the cattle as a like almost like a supplement a supplement or an enzyme exactly totally
1: seaweed essentially like land plants use photosynthesis for carbon dioxide drawdown and uh, turn that into biomass. So seaweed actually grows extremely fast and sucks up CO2 at a phenomenal rate. So these are hurdles to cross. But, you know, I think we're pretty early on in these studies and based off of the data of how much seaweed actually does and carbon um, sequester is it makes sense, right? We're trying to eliminate that methane and the seaweed traps that. So why not cut it off at the beginning and feed it to the cow? (laughs)
0: Um, Should we pay some bills here? Yeah, let's do it. Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving this problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand enabling them to assist in all front of house operations. Learn about how Kiosk can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com slash kiosk. We are very excited to be talking with Brie Roque today from UC Davis. We've talked a little bit on today's pod about this amazing study that Brie as a graduate student at UC Davis undertook, and we've got her on the line. Brie, welcome to the Happy Mouth.
2: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: Of course. Super excited to have you on and learn more about how cows ingest seaweed. Can you tell us a little bit about how the concept for this study came about and where some of the initial research came from?
2: Yeah, so I'll just start on a you know broad spectrum where cattle, through digestive processes in the rumen, produce methane as a byproduct. Methane is a potent greenhouse gas emission. Um, so what animal scientists have been looking at for about 15 to 20 years is, is there a way that reduces this methane emission while also maintaining the health and wellness of our animals? So a lot of different products have been tested, such as essential oils or synthetic products. But a few years ago, seaweed came onto the market. Specifically, there were a few scientists out of Australia that tested about 20 different types of seaweed and came across this red seaweed that looked to reduce methane emissions fairly well. So we kind of piggybacked a little bit on that project and decided to test it in the animals themselves and found really great success at reducing methane emissions while also maintaining the the health and wellness of our animals. So it's really exciting.
0: It's very exciting. And even a little bit further downstream, think some of what we had uncovered was that the end product whether it be beef or the cow's milk, was not affected at all by the ingestion of the seaweed, correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. So the recent paper that we had just published, we did a um, taste panel at UC Davis with uh, beef animals, and we had three different types of meat. One meat came from animals not supplemented with seaweed, One group was a low dose of seaweed. It was about 50 to 80 grams of seaweed for the animal per day. Uh, And then a a higher dose, which was around 90 to 100 grams for the animal each day. And we tested the meat um, based on like juiciness, tenderness, overall flavor. And there was no differences between um, meat that came from cattle who were eating seaweed and um, meat that came from cattle who didn't eat seaweed. So that's really promising. Some different types of feed supplements can change the overall structure of meat production as well as some of the flavors. So uh, it was really promising to see, you know, no effects there.
0: That's phenomenal. I know it was a relatively small sample size uh, of something in the mid-20s in terms of the actual number of cattle, if I'm not mistaken. How do you scale that up? How does this become something that happens around the world?
2: Yeah, so sample size is a tricky one, um, just because of the size of the facility we have here at UC Davis. So we're maxed at you know how many other projects are going on versus what we can actually handle. and here we were able to do seven animals per treatment, came out to 21 animals. but to your point, this definitely needs to be tested on a commercial basis. Can we see the same methane emissions and you know the same animal productivity? on a larger scale. And that has not been done yet. Um, So we are looking into, you know, how do we do this? Practically, one of the biggest hurdles that we'll have to figure out is how do we scale up seaweed production without depleting our oceans of seaweed. So that is something that's ongoing right now that, you know, I've kind of handed off to marine biologists because uh, I'm an animal scientist, but I do work actively with them to make sure that the product is, is of good quality for the animals um, and then assist with, you know, any type of scalability issues that I, that I can.
0: Very interesting. Is there a world where we perhaps don't actually have to create the seaweed or perhaps it's the active ingredient in the seaweed that we produce chemically and add it to the feed at a later point? Is there a workaround on this? that saves us from actually having to create seaweed farms?
2: Yeah, we're looking at ways to do that. So the active component in this type of seaweed that reduces methane is, uh, it's called bromoform. It's a trihalo uh, methane analog. We can get into the way it works, but essentially bromoform, when it's synthetically made, can be toxic to the environment itself. The way that seaweed produces bromoform is it actually encapsulates it within the cell walls, it's less of an environmental issue when seaweed is naturally producing bromoform, rather than if we were to produce it in the lab, if that makes sense. So we need to be very careful on the way that, you know, if we're extracting bromoform and things like that. Um, But there are some scientists looking at, you know, can we immerse this type of seaweed in oil and be able to feed some oils to cattle that are easier to transport or you can feed at lower concentrations? meaning you don't have to grow as much seaweed. Uh, that's the only issue I see with with kind of extracting the, the compound out of the plant.
0: And what is some of the feedback that you're getting from farmers, cattle ranchers, uh, folks in the beef industry about this tech? Obviously, there's got to be a high level of interest from that side of professional, someone whose industry is beef and cattle. What are people saying on that side of the fence?
2: It's mostly positive. Farmers really look at this as, a practical way for farmers to reduce methane emissions without changing a whole lot about their production standpoint, which could be very costly. There are some concerns with feeding seaweed to animals that we're hoping to address over time. One is scalability and the cost of seaweed. Uh, About 70% of a farmer's costs are feed. And so if we're contributing to more feed costs, that's not really going to be practical for farmers to do. So one of the ways that you know we're looking into that is with new companies growing seaweed for this purpose, needs to be cost effective for the farmer. The other kind of issue that we're also working around is how do we supply pasture-based animals with seaweed Um, because they're not being fed a diet every day, how do we apply this seaweed supplementation to animals out grazing? And so that's one of the other concern that farmers may have. But overall, a lot of dairy farmers are very interested in this. A lot of feedlots are very, very interested in this just because they've got a more controlled diet regime where they can mix in the seaweed pretty easily. Um, And if it's cost effective for them to do it, a lot of farmers are willing to, you know, improve their environmental footprint in whatever way they can.
1: Does the amount of seaweed, you mentioned about 50 to 100 grams, is that affected by what else the cattle is eating? And are they generally eating a sort of grass fortified diet or are they eating other types of products with their diet as well?
2: So diets are regionally specific. What that means is, you know, whatever types of feed are available for farmers to feed, they generally feed. So what we've done uh, actually in this last paper is we fed beef steers three different diets. We did a high forage a medium forage and a low forage diet just to see what the potential for methane reducing power, if you will, for the seaweed on three different diets. And what we saw is it looks like you need a little bit more seaweed to get higher methane reduction in those high forage diets, which makes sense. High forage is fermented into products that are used for methane production. So, when you have more forage in a diet, you have more methane. Now, what we saw in the lower forage or the high concentrate diets is you actually need less seaweed to get the same amount of methane reductions. So, that's where we saw 50 to 60 grams of seaweed for each animal a day. We saw like 72 to 80% reductions in methane, which is
1: Phenomenal. Such a small amount. It's almost nothing. Seaweed is known for carbon sequestering. Was that the idea to capture the methane on the front end as opposed to trying to be reactive with capturing and drawing down that methane?
2: Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of what are products that work at reducing enteric methane through these digestive processes? And we've come up short a couple of times. There are some products that work really well in terms of like a naturally growing product that reduces methane emissions over 50%. We don't have that yet. And actually, what really drove this research that we do, not just the seaweed research, but all of the methane reduction research that we do at UC Davis, is California has state legislation that mandates a 40% reduction in methane emissions over the next 10 years. And farmers don't really have a way to do that yet. So if we could provide farmers with a practical way to do that, instead of reducing the number of animals that they have, this seems like it could be a practical solution here.
0: Agreed. Is there discussion at the government level, whether it be state or federal, of a subsidy to perhaps subsidize the cost of something like this for farmers?
2: Not that I've heard. I do know that California is thinking about going on a cap and trade system so that you're able to sell carbon credits. The seaweed would allow farmers to do that because if they're feeding, let's say, 100 grams of seaweed a day and it's pretty cheap to do that, on the other hand, they're reducing, let's say, 60 to 80 percent of their methane emissions and they only needed to reduce 40. There's some wiggle room there for added income on their farm. It could pay back, you know, the cost that it, it took to buy the seaweed, but also maybe even provide a little more income to the farmer.
0: That's ideal. From a modeling standpoint, what does it look like to scale us to a point where, let's say, using a state like California, obviously a coastal state that's closer to natural seaweed. I know there's a little bit of cattle raised here, perhaps not as much as some of the other more inland states in the U.S., but how does it look from a production standpoint of farming of seaweed to actually enable cattle farmers nationally, whether they're coastal or inland, to actually access enough seaweed to impact their cattle in a positive way and reduce this mandate?
2: I have a basic knowledge of it just because I'm, you know, an animal scientist, but I, I do work pretty closely with those that are growing seaweed. There are a number of seaweed companies that grow seaweed all over the world, not just this thread type seaweed, but seaweed is used for many different pharmaceutical purposes, for beauty products. So the infrastructure, I believe, is there. Um, it would just take to grow a different species. Now, this species of seaweed is being tested specifically at the, I think it's UC San Diego, the Scripps Oceanography Lab to see in what types of environments and what types of salinity does this red type seaweed grow best. And what they've seen is it's actually pretty versatile. It can grow at higher or lower temperatures. It's less sensitive to salinity. And also it's been found naturally all over the world, including California, Portugal, off the coast of Hawaii and and Australia. So It looks like this could be something that could scale up all over the world with the already built infrastructure. How well that goes, I'm not exactly sure. But I do know that there are companies starting to grow this type of seaweed to see how practical it is to scale up.
1: Seaweed grows fairly quickly, correct?
2: It does. Yeah. From my understanding, seaweed grows fairly quickly. It's just 90% water. So in order for us to get 100 grams of, of seaweed for the cow, it's going to take a lot more of you know actual growing of the seaweed.
0: Hard to argue that this is not good for cattle, the planet, sustainability across the board. What are the next steps? How does someone on the ground who's interested in helping this movement take more hold? How do they get involved? And also, what are next steps for your group in terms of research, fundraising, and rolling this out wider?
2: Yeah, I think just the interest has made this a very hot topic. So I think it's really good to get it out there. And I actually appreciate you guys having me on your podcast just to get the message out there and really get people familiar with the science behind feeding seaweed to cattle you know, showing we've done long-term studies with our health and wellness, and that looks great. Growing seaweed can sequester carbon within the ocean. It could be like this double whammy that we're providing. The next steps, I think, we'll have to get approval from FDA and maybe even more regional, like California Department of Food and Ag, to make sure that they approve of us using this as a cattle feed additive. And also to, you know, take on some other projects, like if we can get seaweed that has more bromoform, can we feed less of it? I also, as a scientist, would love to go into the microbiome um, and looking at the stomach microbiome of the cattle and seeing how that is being affected by seaweed, um, because we just don't know quite yet. And Gastrointestinal microbiome is very, very important for every living being, right? For humans, for animals, um, and so that's kind of where I, I want to take my next steps. Is how does addition of seaweed how is that affecting the the gut microbiome?
1: Brianna, how did you get into the sort of animal science world?
2: It's just kind of a stepwise progression. I think I I lived in a predominantly agricultural area. Um, I went to Chico State for an agricultural business degree, and ended up adding an animal science degree after I got a job at the dairy there. I did some work with the uh, organic dairy, and and did some some really neat research with hydroponic feed during the the bad drought we had about ten years ago. Um, and then I I met Ermius, who was my advisor, and he does sustainability practices with livestock and it kind of just has been snowballing ever since then. So it's been really fulfilling and I feel like you know a lot of this research is is going to make an impact which I feel really lucky as a as a grad student, you know.
1: Totally. Yes, you're definitely trailblazing an amazing new initiative and we are so so excited to highlight it. Yeah, well thank you so much.
0: Bree Amazing! Thank you so much. Thanks for jumping on this interview. Thanks for being on the Happy Mouth Podcast. And again, we really, really appreciate your time, effort, and research bringing this to light. And it's just a beautiful thing that we're happy to cover. And we're just, you know, very, very excited that you joined us today. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, it's really nice to you know kind of get the research out there, and I appreciate you guys for for having me on. It's been a uh, really nice talking to you all.
0: I think this is going to be one of those things that becomes a game changer for the cattle industry, the livestock industry as a whole. And from what you know, we uncovered during this podcast, there isn't really a taste difference in that small uh, segment of the surveyed cows. So it seems like the quality isn't going to change. Who knows what it turns into long-term, but you know, with a couple of these challenges that need to be overcome, this could be a really great thing. Um, for the planet and for the livestock
1: business. Yeah, and very holistic approach. I mean, way to go, Mother Nature. Just providing all the answers for us.
0: They're right there for the taking. Just got to find them. And that's all for today's Bite sized News. You can find us at happymouthpodcast.com, restaurants.yelp.com slash happymouth, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for dining with us, and we hope to see you next time.